This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, January 22nd. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, county hosts a planning palooza. Progressive dinner brings community together in moonlight. Contention comes to the capital. And a mountain weather forecast. This Wednesday, the 24th, marks a big day for the San Miguel County Planning Department. I've been calling it the Planning Palooza. That's County Planning Director Kay Simonson looking forward to a planning double header. So in the morning, uh, we'll be talking about the Community Housing Zone District and whether or not any adjustments need to be made to that uh, section of our land use code. And in the afternoon, we're going to be talking about draft solar regulations uh, that Uh, if adopted, would apply countywide. If you think county planning, land use codes, and zoning regulations sounds dry, think again. Both the Community Housing Zone District and the issue of solar development have been hot-button topics in San Miguel County over the past six to eight months. Wednesday provides an opportunity for the Board of County Commissioners and the County Planning Commissioners to have a rare joint session with the public and county staff in attendance as well. The meeting even has a dual location as a gesture to the breadth of issues being discussed and to be accessible to the whole county. Some commissioners and staff will be in Norwood at the Sheriff's Annex, with the remaining commissioners joining from the county offices in Telluride. The two locations will be coordinated via Zoom. What are the issues up for discussion? Let's start with solar. Back in October, the county held an open house in Norwood to gather public input on an update to its land use code. And we took that information and we have been incorporating that into the drafting of the regulations. So we've been working with our consultant on uh, developing that draft and we now have it ready for review. The draft solar regulations to be discussed on Wednesday can be viewed at sanmiguelcountyco.gov under the planning tab. Contained in that document? It's about 40 pages. Uh, we define different levels of solar. So we have large scale, medium scale, and small scale. Small scale being basically what you put on your roof to power your own building. Medium scale would be similar to the project that's right above the airport, Um, so under 20 acres, and then large scale, and that's above 20 acres. The draft codes detail where in the county medium and large scale solar can be considered and how applicants must address or mitigate potential impacts. Since May, there's been a ban on solar applications before the county. Commissioners passed the moratorium after a developer came forward with a proposed 600-acre solar farm off Lone Cone Road in Norwood, a project which raised serious concern in the community. Later, the commissioners extended that moratorium in order to make more time for the land use code updates. Continue Simonson. But there are people out there who are interested in applying for solar projects. And we really need to get on track and be ready for them uh, and have regulations so we can consider them. We do need to get it done. All right, now for Act 2. 
the Community Housing Zone District, which was passed by the county in December 2021, says Simonson. The intent was to remove some barriers to the creation of affordable housing, workforce housing, community housing. But during the East End Master Plan process, which has been unfolding over the past year and a half, an increased attention on planning-related issues has made the CH Zone District a flashpoint. According to Simonson, there are a few areas of public concern. One of them is a purpose statement at the beginning of the CH District text, which says, more or less, applicants don't need to consider the character or density of surrounding areas in neighborhoods when they bring forward an application. Here's Simonson. But uh, it's, it was a pretty strong statement. And like I said, it was bold and underlined, which is not something we normally do. Um, so we'll have a discussion about that. Continue Simonson. And then uh, the other thing is the density. When we wrote the code amendment, we weren't quite sure what we would be looking at. We wanted to make sure that we didn't make it so restrictive that we wouldn't be able to maximize um, affordable housing uh, development. Uh, and we allowed 20 units per acre. The code contains language which says applicants can have those 20 units, quote-unquote, by right. And there's been some concern that any developer who receives the CH designation could therefore max out their density and construct a maximum number of units. While the county does not necessarily interpret the language that way and feels every application is examined on an individual basis, the work session tomorrow will open a conversation about the density in the CH zone. If tomorrow is a county planning sprint, Simonson says the county has also been running a bit of a marathon between all the issues at play, she says, This last year and a half has definitely been very busy, very intense. Um, there really has been a lot going on. Um, we've had some really good community conversations. Um, we've had some stressful community conversations. Uh, but we've also had a lot of positive come out of it. Members of the public wishing to make their voices heard are invited to attend in Norwood, in Telluride, or on Zoom. The Planning Palooza kicks off at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, January 24th. The full schedule and a Zoom link can be found at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. The valley floor boasts 560 acres of wilderness at our fingertips. Walking and supping in the summer, skiing and biking in the winter. Elk and other critters call it home. In the moonlight and under the stars, it's just as beautiful, if not more intriguing. That's Ruthie Boyd, program coordinator at Sheep Mountain Alliance. This week, a beloved Valley Floor tradition is back. The Moonlight Progressive Dinner is a community event on the Telluride's Valley Floor um, to celebrate the full moon of January, which is the Wolf Moon. Sheep Mountain Alliance puts on the Progressive Dinner, setting up food and drink stations progressively along the ski trails of the Valley Floor. There will be three stations set up behind the Shell Station. Um, the first one is Cider. The second one is Soup from La Cocina. And the third one is Cookies from Butcher. Boyd does ask progressive diners to bring their own bowls, cups, and utensils. Individuals can access the dinner at the Boomerang Bridge from the town, the Shell Station, or Lawson, if you're up for a challenge. 
diners are welcome to walk, ski, snowshoe, or bike. Layers and headlamps are recommended. Bundle up because it might be cold. (laughs) Boyd says the dinner is the perfect opportunity to bring the community together in the darkest months of the year when things can be a bit more isolating. It really just gives people another venue outside of our normal lives or, or outside of our normal activities in the winter to just spend time together and slow down a little bit and enjoy a meal together and see people we don't always see in the winter. And it's fun to be able to celebrate it on this piece of land that we've protected as a community as well. I think that adds a lot for me, at least. The progressive dinner will take place this Wednesday, the day before the full moon. Apparently, the moon is brightest the day before it's full. So this is exactly landing on that day this year. So we're excited to hopefully have a clear night and be able to see the full moon. The Moonlight Progressive Dinner will take place on Wednesday, January 24th from 5.30 to 8 p.m. Less than a month in and Colorado's General Assembly is already getting contentious with hot button issues in the forefront. In this installment of Capital Conversation, KOTO's State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods brings the latest. Hey, Lucas, thanks for taking a couple of minutes to chat with me today. Always happy to be here. There have been some big things moving and shaking at the Capitol today having to do with the House Minority Leader. What is going on? Well, last week, reporting in the Denver Post revealed that Minority Leader Mike Lynch, this is the top Republican in the House, State House of Representatives, he, it was revealed that he had a DUI arrest also for uh, carrying a firearm while intoxicated back in September of 2022. So it was a little while ago, but it only came to light last week. And so the important thing about Minority Leader Lynch is not just that he's the top Republican in the State House of Representatives, but he's also running for Congress in Colorado's 4th District. So he'll be running against Lauren Boebert, as well as a slew of others. And, and so, you know, the fact that this wasn't public and, and hadn't been disclosed by Lynch was kind of a big deal. And he's actually facing quite a bit of backlash from his own caucus. And this morning, he faced a vote of no confidence from his caucus, which would have stripped him of his leadership title. Now, what was interesting about that is the votes were split right down the middle, nine to nine. So it was, it was a tie, and one of the lawmakers was absent. So he, and when there's a tie in this situation, he actually keeps his job. He actually continues as the minority leader. But he's not out of the woods because, you know, the caucus – can hold a meeting at really any time at the request of any member, and there's a chance that they will hold another vote, and that, you know, very well could remove him from leadership. That is some big politics news. Lawmakers are also taking on one of the arguably nation's biggest issues with abortion. What is happening there? Yeah, abortion is a really big issue here at the State House, uh, and it has been for, for a while, especially given that uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And there's a, a group of lawmakers that are supporting this, but this is this is sort of outside the state house. This is a group of organizations, community leaders, Congress people, and state lawmakers that support this. And and they're putting forward a ballot measure that will be on the ballot in November um, that would codify the right to abortion in the state constitution. Because proponents of this are worried about the unpredictability on this issue on the federal level, 
and you know they want it to be protected the right to reproductive health care for women to be protected in the state constitution so that it can't be overturned on the whim of the U.S. Supreme Court. From a reporting standpoint, when you have a day with high emotion topics going on like this, what's it like to be in the Capitol? What's interesting about, you know, reporting on the Capitol is, you know, I can go from reporting on a caucus meeting like the one where Minority Leader Lynch faced a vote of no confidence, which was a pretty contentious and and politically oriented meeting. Some would call it inside baseball in, in some ways, but you know, overall, leadership does affect what, what happens uh, and, and how these lawmakers put forward laws and stuff. But what, what's interesting is going from a caucus meeting like that straight out to, you know, a big event on the, on the steps of the Capitol that is impassioned pushes for certain issues all within an hour, you know. And so it, it's pretty incredible to see how the state is, is operating all sort of within and around this building and, and getting to see the microcosm of Colorado. It can be a little crazy, but that's, that's part of the excitement and that's part of the job. So it, it's, it's very interesting. Thanks for giving us a sneak peek into what it's all like. And we'll check back in with you next week for more. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to it. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. Who doesn't love to laugh and play? This week, The Fig, a local arts collective, is hosting an improv workshop for the community. Featuring a collection of fun improv games, the workshop encourages participants to play, have fun, be silly, and take chances in a low-stakes environment. No experience is necessary. The workshop is free and open to the community. The Fig's Improv Workshop will take place at the Telluride Arts HQ Gallery on Tuesday, January 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. It's crunch time to pack on some extra pounds, for area beef and cattle, that is. The San Miguel Basin 4-H program is holding its beef weigh-in this coming Sunday, January 28th, at the San Miguel County Fairgrounds in Norwood. The beef weigh-in provides opportunity for club members to weigh their animals and determine their appropriate competition class, possible market value, and growth over time. All animals must be accompanied by their 4-H'er and club members should register with the San Miguel Basin Extension Office by 4 p.m. on Friday, January 26th. The weigh-in begins at 10 a.m. for the Lone Cone and Four Stars 4-H clubs and opens to the Wilson Mesa and West End clubs at 10.30. Registration and information is available at sanmiguel.extension.colostate.edu or by emailing annika at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. The Environmental Protection Agency has announced that it reached a settlement with the Navajo Tribal Utility Authority over water permit violations. Now, the NTUA must improve wastewater treatment facilities in three communities in northern Arizona. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KSJD's Chris Clements has more. The Department of Justice filed a complaint on behalf of the EPA that says the facilities violated Clean Water Act permits meant to protect human health and the environment by discharging wastewater not treated to proper levels into washes across the tribal nation. It also says the NTUA failed to maintain their facilities' sewage systems and prevent sewage spills. The roughly $100 million settlement will mean some short-term and long-term upgrades to facilities 
facilities in Chinle, Kayenta, and Tuba City that serve about 20,000 people, mostly Navajo citizens. Beth Abishan is a supervisory natural resource specialist for Region 9 of the EPA. When we look at Navajo and um, the, the type of land it is, water resources are a limited uh, quantity out there. It's important to protect all of them. Abishan says that NTUA, a nonprofit enterprise of the Navajo Nation, has already begun much of the work needed at its treatment facilities. Federal grants from initiatives like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Plan and other sources are expected to cover the majority of the cost expected for the NTUA under the settlement. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow flurries tonight with a low around 20 degrees. Tuesday brings a slight chance of snow and possible wintry mix with increasing clouds throughout the day and a high around freezing. Snow showers may linger overnight on Tuesday when the low should be around 20 degrees. Wednesday, expect a 50% chance of snow with cloudy skies and a high near 30, followed by a cloudy night with a low in the mid-teens. This has been the news for Monday, January 22nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.